morning I'm going to, wow, I hope I can get through this today. <laughs> I'm going to talk on um, oil for the midnight hour. Can I get a more old school churchy title than that? <laughs> I feel an urgency to share this message today to provoke us towards a higher level of preparedness. And we've been on this series of this is not a game, and uh, our lives lived out with Jesus, you know, it's serious. And this is not to diminish, you know, the, the fun aspects, you know, the laughter and the joy. It was just a few weeks ago I, I talked on joy, you know, so like, and there is games and fun and energy with, with the Lord and, and friendship and all that. Um, but it's another very hard truth that although there is the fun and games with Jesus, it's not all that way because there is a real eternity and there is a real destiny on your life to carry out. So we have to live our best lives for him and he's worthy and it's kind of important uh, to not get to the end and be like, oops, I did that wrong. I lived my life wrong, and uh, it's kind of a big oops to get to the end and say that. So Matthew 25 is where we're going to focus today, and this is part of Jesus' last message, his last sermon on earth. And how many know the last thing that someone says to you is, is usually, like, kind of a big deal? You know, it's, it's you know, you know, if Faith's leaving the house, I'm like, don't forget your keys, don't forget your phone, you know, things like it. It's kind of like the last thing, oh, yeah, or, or. Uh, when you're graduating from high school or university and you're the one giving the speech to your, to your classmates, you know, it's the last opportunity to say something inspirational. Or when someone is passing from this life to the next, I want to hear what their last words. I want to know when they came to that point, the last thing they felt to tell me. The last sermon that Jesus gave was to be remembered um, for, for more than, you know, just to be remembered, but to be applied and lived out diligently. And where I, there's four parables, and if I'm a little too loud, you can turn me down because I want to be able to go up and down a little bit, but I don't want to like, <laughs> I don't want to see anyone doing this. Um, I'm going to focus on the parable of the ten virgins. And there's four in here, but I'm just going to do this one specifically today. And a parable is just really a story that um, is, is make-believe, you know, but it is to be applied to our reality. And it's significant for real life. So why don't we do this this morning? Why don't we stand and why don't we read the scripture together um, for a change? So let's all stand, and I know you just sat down, but, you know, up and down, up and down. It's good for the blood. All right, here we go. Then the kingdom of heaven shall be likened to ten virgins who took their lamps out. Five of them were foolish, thoughtless, without forethought, and five were wise, sensible, intelligent, and prudent. For when the foolish took their lamps, they did not take any extra oil with them. But the wise took flask of oil along with them also with their lamps. While the bridegroom lingered and was slow in coming, they all began nodding their heads and they fell asleep. But at midnight there was a shout, 
Behold, the bridegroom, go out to meet him. Then all those virgins got up and put their own lamps in order. And the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise replied, There will not be enough for us and for you. Go instead to the dealers and buy for yourselves. But while they were going away to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were prepared went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was shut. Later, the other virgins also came and said, Lord, Lord, open the door to us. But he replied, I solemnly declare to you, I do not know you, I am not acquainted with you. Watch, therefore, give strict attention and be cautious and active, for you know neither the day nor the hour when the Son of Man will come. Amen. You may be seated. So the whole point of this parable, the whole point is to communicate to us the importance of intimacy with the Lord. Cultivating intimacy over busy is imperative. This is ministry. This is life fillers, things that we just fill our lives with. This is good excuses. This is work. Your job is all the things. See, it's easy to look at the busyness of life and be like, oh, I really should cut that out in order to make more time for the Lord. But it's harder when it's your job because you have to provide for your family. It's harder when you're doing the work of the Lord for the Lord, the ministry, to say I need to pull away and spend time with the Lord instead of working for the Lord. See, there is a priority that needs to be had of intimacy over ministry. Intimacy over everything. And as, as, you know, as we focus our energy towards things like ministry, towards things like our jobs, towards the good things of, of life and, and the good things that maybe we even do for God, there is a risk to run our lamps dry of oil. The whole reason that we, we were motivated in the beginning with was Jesus to do the work for him. And now the work for him is draining us. This causes a burnt out Christian life. A exhausted ministry. Where you're frustrated with things that you're doing and the good things you're doing. And you're frustrated with people that you're working for and serving when there should be joy. If you're finding yourself tapped out. In serving the Lord, your lamp might be a little low on oil. If you're finding yourself roaming around in the dark, trying to, I, I don't know which direction to go with my life. I can't, I, it's so unclear, it's so dark right now. You might be a little low on oil in your lamp. So we're going to go back now, and uh, we read it all together, but I'm going to go back, and I'm going to unpack verse by verse this parable today. So verse 1, it says, Then the kingdom of heaven shall be likened to ten virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. The virgins, this is purity. Okay, this represents purity. Five lives marked with, well, whatever shows up in my life at this time, whatever is happening, whatever is at the time of the meeting, that's what will be. 
So their secret life of, of intimacy or history with the Lord didn't match what was perceived as was their relationship with the Lord because they all looked the same. It's interesting uh, that although, you know, the first verses kind of portray them that way, as we read a little further, we understand that's actually not the case. So that you, you know, you can have an assemblance of, of what is perceived intimacy. You can look like you are intimate with the Lord without actually having it. We are really good at faking it. We're like professional Christians. How many know that we kind of live that way? Right? We show up in church and we worship and we show up in prayer and we pray and we, you know, we do the worship nights and stuff. But really, you know, how many of us are showing up as half-baked Christians? We all look like cookies, but some of us are fully cooked and some of us aren't. We have a responsibility to steward what God has given us, our lives. We cannot just let our spiritual lives happen to us. We must happen to our spiritual lives. Verse 5 says, When the bridegroom, while the bridegroom lingered and was slow in coming, they all began nodding their heads and they fell asleep. See, whether you have intention with the Lord or not, we all get tired. <laughs> all of us get tired. You know, we're human. You know, one of the, the most refreshing things I heard was a, a speaker, a pastor, share, and he is, like, really into prayer and long, long hours of prayer. You know, he spent years of his life in the International House of Prayer praying for, you know, like 10 hours a day. And that was kind of like his life in ministry. So he's, like, really hyped on prayer, you know. And one of the r most refreshing things I heard him say was sometimes prayer is just boring. And I'm like, the only one that feels that way I mean it doesn't mean we shouldn't do it but sometimes it's mundane sometimes it's it's not always crazy exciting like passionate fire miracles healing prophetic you know sometimes it's that way and I love that but sometimes you know my head begins to nod and it's been long week and I'm tired but it doesn't mean I shouldn't do it At midnight, verse 6, it says there was a shout. Behold, the bridegroom, go out and meet him. Now, okay, here's the deal. There was a shout. Who was awake? We, I mean, who was awake? It just said that they all began nodding their heads and falling asleep. Who was awake? Who's shouting at midnight that was awake? Have you ever tried to put yourself in a passage or a story where you're like, I wonder what character I would be in this story? If you haven't, you should try it. You should just be like, I wonder who I would be there. Whether it's, it's, Bible is awesome place to do it. You can do it in anywhere for fun, but this is like actually what we're like, oh, that's who I would be? Okay, maybe I should change my character, you know. Um, but honestly, in this, I was doing that. I was like, I wonder who I would be when I was thinking about who was shouting and who was awake. And I'm like, I thought about it, and I thought, in this story, I am most likely the shouter. <laughs> it's probably me. This is why. One, I don't sleep. <laughs> Everyone else was, and that is the story of my life. Number two, I'm kind of loud when it comes to Jesus. 
I mean, it's where I come alive the most. Like, I swear I spend the rest of my life just recalibrating and, like, refreshing myself so that when I get in these situations, I can be crazy because that's, that's like, who I am most like myself in these situations. But I can be so quiet in other scenarios because I just, like, I need that time to, like, rebuild. Num- number three, I kind of like to tell people what's coming and what they should do about it. So I feel like that would be me, but I'd be like, oh, the bridegroom, we should all go. You know, like, I, I feel like that would be me. So that's why I'm in the story. You should put yourself in the story and think of who you should be or who you would be. Verse 7, then all those virgins, they all got up and they put their own lamps in order. They all got up and they put their own lamps in order. Their own lamps in order. No one said, you know what, I'm just going to grab a bunch of the lamps and I'll meet you over there. You guys are a little tired. You need some espresso to get you going. You know, so I'm just going to grab all the lamps. I'm just going to help you. And I'm going to bring it. No one said that. No one said, you know what, your lamp looks a little lighter than mine. Why don't we switch it out? You're a little stronger than me. Why don't you care? No one switched the lamps. No one helped with the lamps. They just all took their own lamps because anything else wasn't an option. And then the foolish said to the wise, give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. This is bad. This is a bad case scenario here. This is what they were waiting for. They were waiting for the time to meet the bridegroom. This was the moment they had been waiting for. It had been so long they fell asleep. Like that's how long it had been. They were so tired. And, and, and now they get up and they realize they're on preparedness. And, and, and this isn't going to work because we can't meet the groom in darkness. We're not going to be able to see him. He's not going to be able to see us. This is terrible. Their life was about to go out. There wasn't enough oil. It wasn't going to last. But the wise replied, there will not be enough for us and for you. See, when your car runs out of gas, You can't wish more gas. You can't steal it. I mean, you could, but honestly, it would just be easier to go get gas from the gas station than to steal from someone else. Like, that's complicated. You can't push your car. You can maybe for a little bit, but it's not really going to get you where you want to go. You have to leave and go get more fuel. You have to. It's the only way to get where you're going. So the wife said, there's not going to be enough for you and I. You have to go to the dealers and buy it for yourself. He said, buy it for yourselves. We cannot share oil. We cannot. I don't pull up to your broken down car when you ran out of gas and say, no worries. I got a full tank, guys. That doesn't help you. Because I can't share my gas with you. They had to go get more. There were no options. They had to refill their lives in order to meet him. See, they, they were pretty much saying, wise ones, just lay your hands on us. Just give us your oil. Come on. It's not a thing. Wise ones, can you just, can you just come in and just pray for me? Just come and pray for me at the end of the service today and just give me what you have. Just, just like put your hands on me. Just give me what you have. 
you can, you can just do that, right? You can just come and lay your hands on me and just, just get, no, I can't. No, I can't. I can't do that. That is a cheap understanding of intimacy with God, and it doesn't work that way. I can't give you the last 40 years of my history with the Lord. It's not an impartation you receive with the laying on of hands. It's not something you get by being prayed for. Uh, you have to get your own. I can't even go and buy it for you. You have to buy your own. I can encourage you. I can teach you. I can believe in you. I can minister to you. But I cannot give you my oil. And I cannot buy oil for you. You have to spend your own money and it will cost you. See, these five had history that nobody knew about the wise virgins. They brought an extra flask of oil. They just brought it. But for a season, guys, they all looked the same. All ten looked the same. We can look around the room. We all kind of look the same. We can all kind of look like the same depth of intimacy with the Lord. We're all here on Sunday, aren't we? We all just worshiped. We're all listening right now. But the reality is the whispers of heaven that we're hearing right now of a draw to intimacy with the Lord, because I know you're hearing it. I can feel the hunger in the room. I know you're moving towards it, and you're making steps in your intimacy with him. I can see it. I know it. But it's whispers right now. It's quiet. It's like dampened. It's, it's, it's not super, super loud yet. It's just the whispers of heaven, and they're calling us into a greater intimacy with the Lord. And, and, and some are answering, and I can see that. And, and, and I, I get it, but, but we can't really tell at that, this point who's going all the way and who's not. Because we can talk a good talk and, and, and we, can, we can look the part and we can carry our lamp around. We can just carry it around. And we can show up to the worship nights and we can show up to this and we can show up to prayer and just carrying our lamp around. We can't see the difference. Can you see the difference? I can't see the difference. Can you see the difference? Do you guys remember the, the old laundry soap, ABC? Do you guys remember? Where there would be twins on the commercial and one of them would have their clothes washed in ABC laundry detergent, and one would have, like, an expensive brand. And they'd be like, can you see the difference? I can't see the difference. Can you see the difference? And they'd be like, cost is the difference. Price is the difference. Guys, price is the difference. Cost is the difference. I might not be able to see the difference right now, but there will come a time when we will see it because some are paying the price, and some are doing the cost, and some aren't. The whispering cry of heaven will soon turn into a shout. The bridegroom is coming. Let's go. We have to go meet him. Go. Increase is coming. And as the whisper gets louder, the discrepancy gets bigger between the wise and the foolish. In Luke chapter 11, it kind of displays the greatest impact that Jesus left on his, his disciples, his people, when he was on the earth. In verse 1, it says, as he was praying, his disciples said, Teacher, could you teach us to pray? See, the greatest impact Jesus made on these men and the women that followed him as well 
was his life of prayer and intimacy with the Father. His dependence on the Father. He said in the scripture, he said he would often pull away. He would often go into isolated places just to spend time with the Lord, with his Lord, with his God. He prayed. See, the disciples didn't say, could you teach us to preach? They didn't say, could you teach us to sing? They didn't say, could you teach us to prophesy? I want to prophesy. They didn't say, teach us to connect with people, because connection's really good. They said, teach us to pray. Why? Because that's the thing they saw the most. That's the thing they saw Jesus do the most. That's the thing that they saw that was the, the outflow of everything else he did in his life. His connection with people, his healing of people, his miracles, the signs, the wonders, the love, all that flowed out of his intimacy with the Father. They said, teach us to pray. They watched him live that way, that life of intimacy, the oil. See, we are in a time, I believe, in the season to buy oil. I believe it's the time. I believe it's the season. And we have to get it now for the midnight hour. We will never get another today to prepare for tomorrow. It just doesn't happen. We need to prioritize time at his feet before everything else right now. See, some of us are really good at giving people our attention. And, and, and I know that it's important. And, you know... If not, I wouldn't be here talking to you guys all right now. <laughs> you are people. And I know people need us. And, and Jesus did it when he was on earth. He ministered to the crowds. But when people get the attention and affection and the Lord does not, we are missing it. When time spent putting him and his house first takes a back seat to being there for someone. I just want to be there for them. I just want to show them that I love them and support them. So I'm going to go do this, and I'm going to neglect the, my time with the Lord and the house of God. There is a misalignment that you've built your life upon. It's a bad foundation. It's going to feel firm, but it's really just packed down sand. It's still sand. It will not stand the test of time it is not the Lord. It is people. You're doing something for him, but you're not with him. Showing up for others is good. I'm not saying don't do that. Jesus did it. But he never let it take the forefront. He showed up for the Father first. It was presence over people every time couldn't have even done it any other way because that was the overflow of his heart was the father and that was his love was the father and then the time and the intimacy with the father fueled everything else that's how he was able to be there for people instead the alternate is your lamp will run out of oil you will be exhausted and frustrated and ministry will not We need to get ourselves so committed to time with the Lord that no crisis can get in the middle of it and no opportunity can talk me out of it. I'm telling you what, you start to set aside time with the Lord, 
prayer time with him, and you will have more options to do in that time frame than you ever had in your life before. There will be more appointments that will be threatened to be scheduled for that day and that time. I mean, you will have coffee appointments, medical stuff. You know, your kid needs to go here. I'm telling you what. It doesn't matter. You could set it in the middle of the night, and somebody will be like, this middle of the night is the only time I can meet with you. The enemy will do what he can to pull you out of your commitment to the Lord. Don't let it happen. Don't let it happen. Are we buying oil? Are we filling our lamps plus the flask, the extra? Because when it's too late, it's too late. You don't get another chance. How many know you never get a second chance to make a first impression? Like, that's classic. We know that. There's been so many times when I've been in situations. I remember one time I was out of school, and uh, I was, like, trying to be, like, really relatable and cool and things like that. This was like, uh, my kids were pretty little at this time. I was in elementary school. And I was meeting this mom. And uh, for the first time, we were talking. I was going to invite her out to, like, our mom's group at church. And I'm wearing these sunglasses. And I'm, like, being so cool. You know, I'm just so cool. And she, we're talking and stuff like that. And she looks like kind of a cool mom, too. So we're relating. And suddenly... I kid you not, one of the lenses of my sunglasses pops out. It pops out while I'm talking to her. Well, I'm like, this is really awkward and bad timing. I'm just going to keep going. I don't even acknowledge it. I just keep going. And she's like, I just keep going with my story. And I'm like, anyway, nice to meet you. And I'm like, I don't, I don't think she ever came out to the thing. First impressions. I was about to speak at a conference once, and right before I was about to walk up, I was getting coffee, and literally, I dumped it all over me. All over me. And I'm like, I, I have to go up. Like, I do not have another option. So I'm like, okay, whatever. So I, I think I put, I, I didn't, was able to put, like, a sweater on over, but, like, so you couldn't see the stain. But whatever. So I'm walking up from the back to go up on the, on the stage, and I literally hear people as I'm passing by, do you smell coffee? Like, I smell coffee. I went to Starbucks. Do you guys remember the mocha cookie crumble frappuccino? Yeah, I think they still have it now sometimes, yeah. And the, the first year that it came out, I went and I, I was like about to order. I was so excited about it because chocolate and coffee, it's so good. And I'm like, yeah, so could I have a mochi? She's like, a mochi. And then, then I'm like, oh, my gosh. I said mochi. This is, I'm saying this out loud to the barista. I'm like, can I have a mochi? Oh, my gosh. I just said mochi. And then I start laughing at myself, and I'm dying laughing while she's like, I can only imagine Faith. Faith is a person. She's probably like, could this lady just get to on it? You know, like, come on. You never get a second chance to make a first impression. Verse 10. <laughs> but while they were going away to buy, the bridegroom came. And those who were prepared, it says they went in to the marriage feast and the door was shut. Later, the other virgins who also came said, Lord, Lord, open the door to us. But he replied, I solemnly declare, I don't know you. I'm not acquainted with you. See, if they had prepared, they, he would have known them. See, a history with the Lord will make you known. 
This is not a game. This is serious. This is not just a good idea. This doesn't just come highly recommended. <laughs> you should really do this. It's not recycling. <laughs> you know, eating healthy, working out, saying I'm sorry. Those are good things to do. This is a different level. This is impurity. It, it, it's imperative. It's, it's literally life and death. Watch, therefore. Give strict attention, focus, and be cautious. Wise and active and do something. Verse 13 says, For you know neither the day nor the hour when the Son of Man will come. See, there is a preparedness necessary. There is a cultivation of intimacy to be ready for the midnight hour. There just really is. But how? You're like, what does it even mean anyway? How do I buy oil? Buying oil for the midnight hour is simply being prepared for that time when we will meet Jesus. And it's doing it now. It's, 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 so how, how, do I, how do I do this? Buying oil is time conditioning it for his arrival. Buying oil is cultivating purity. Purity in my heart. Integrity in my life. Buying oil is pursuing righteousness. Is pursuing holiness. Buying oil is choosing. I will live a life set apart. For him and for his purposes. Buying oil is intimacy. Time spent with the Lord. It is worship to the Lord. And this is done now. This is done now. It, we, we must buy oil in this season. Well, well, well maybe I'll have more time later. We, you know when school isn't so intense. Because it's really rough right now. Or when finances aren't so tight. Or when life isn't so out of control. Because ministry demands are just heightened now. With Easter coming up. And all that. And it's, I'm just going to put the oil on hold. Because I'll have more time in a few months. We do not know how much time we have. No one does does there is a drawing into times of prolonged uh, seasons in his presence and hours in his presence right now can you feel it like can you feel there is like the watermark has been raised it's not just here it's everywhere it's everywhere and many of us were so captivated with the Asbury revival. We were, we, were, we were cried out, God, why not us? Why not here? Why not now? And we were just like, wow, that's so incredible. And I'm going to fly out there and, and be a part of it. And I want to bring it back here. And I want, and I, I just, I want it to happen. But, oh, there's a service next weekend. I don't know if I can do it. Like I have like a thing with my kid or I have like this thing. I don't know. I don't think I, I have just a lot going on anyway. But the hard truth is many of us are just too busy for revival. Guys, time spent with Jesus is never wasted. I promise you. The investment of, of time into eternity will live forever. That's the only thing that does. You might think, I don't have the time to do it. You know, I think I don't have time not to do it. Like, I have to. I can't afford to, to not listen to the Lord. I can't afford to not spend time with him. The ministry will have to wait. The things will have to wait. 
they're just not going to get priority placement in my life. They're just not going to get it. This is a daily decision. It might sound like it's easy for me. It's not easy for me. I fail. But I've come this far. Guys, you've come this far. Why not give it everything? There's nothing more awkward than giving yourself partway to something. You ever put on a shirt, but you can't get it all the way on? And it's like you're all tied up in it. And it's like, it's so frustrating. But it's so refreshing and freeing to give yourself completely to something. Are we buying oil for the midnight hour? Are we prepared or are are we willing just to show up however we are? Whatever it is right now in the season, you know, if it's a hot season of glory, then woo, I'm fired up when I show up. If it's busy season of life, I'm like, you know, I'm average. It's a risky way to live. It's a cheap grace, actually, and it might not work out the way you think in the end. Guys, buying oil will be inconvenient. I promise you. It will be time spent when you're busy. It will be costly. It's going to cost you something. It really will. And the four biggest struggles that we're get, we deal with on our way when we're en route to buy oil is distraction, trouble, busyness, and worry. And I'm not going to get into it, but you see this in the story of Mary and Martha. You'll see these four biggest struggles. You know, the story where, where you know, the one is wants to sit at his feet and the other is busy doing the things and their brother had just died and you can look it up yourself and read through it but distraction trouble busyness and worry see we can start out by serving the Lord and having friendship with him and everything's great but then there's maybe a lack of promotion or there's fear that comes in or there's trouble in life and and these suddenly the awareness of what Jesus is not doing for us becomes louder than the things that he has done for us All while we're busy just trying to get his attention so he'll do more. Mary said, you know, if you had been here, our brother wouldn't have died. See, it's not always going to feel great buying oil. It's not always going to feel great. But we have to do it anyway. Because we can't afford to let these four enemies keep us from preparing for the midnight hour. Keep us from buying oil. Keep us from our intimacy with the Lord. This is not a regret you want to have at the end. It's just not. And the cost is worth it. It's worth it today when it's crazy hard. It's worth it. I promise you. Building history with the Lord is worth it. Gosh, I just want to be like, guys, come, let's buy oil together. Esther, if you look in the Old Testament, she was summoned to be one of the options of maybe it could be the bride for the king, to be the new queen. And there was a few of them that was going to go through this, you know, potentially go through this purification process. And Esther went through this process and it was 12 months of purification so that she could be ready for the, for the king. She was hidden away for 12 months. 12 months wondering what's wonder what's going to happen at the end of this what is this going to be like and and there was 12 months of process six months with oil of myrrh it said and six months with sweet spices and perfumes it was intense but it was the king she was summoned by the king what an honor we have the same offer we have a better offer actually because it's the king of kings Because it's the Lord of lords. 
It is the Alpha. He is the Omega. He's the first and the last. He's the beginning of the end. He is the mighty warrior. He's the healer. He's the baptizer. He's the provider. He's all of those things and more. He's the conqueror of the hell. He is the reigning king of heaven. And we have an offer. We've been summoned by the king for intimacy with him. But how full of our lamps. Do we have extra flasks with us? Do we have time spent? Do we have the overflow? Are we passionate about preparing for the king, for the groom? Esther smelled like myrrh and perfumes, like a lot. She smelled like it was in her, coming out of her. Am I carrying so much oil that I smell like the scent of heaven? Do I smell like heaven? Am I known by heaven? Guys, I don't want to just be known by Starbucks. I don't want to just be known by Crumble Cookie when I go up there and Paula, the manager, is like, hi, Renee, how are you? I'm like, I'm good, how are you? I don't want to just be known by that. I want to be known by heaven. I want to smell like heaven. I want to have this scent come out of my life. Because you and I, we can have all the gifts and all the anointing and all the good sermons and we can have the good worship sets. But at the end of the day, I am not greater than my intimacy with the Lord. I am not greater than my prayer life. The end of the day, my reality is my prayer life and my intimacy with the Lord. That is my reality. This is not a time for disengagement. This is a time to buy oil. Richard Foster's book in the celebration of discipline, he said this. He said, superficiality is the curse of this age. The great need today is not for more gifted leaders or more powerful leaders or more spectacular leaders. The great need for today is for deeper leaders. I hope when you think of me, when you go home and you're thinking about my message, (laughs) I don't know. I hope you don't think, I wish I could preach like her. I hope you don't. I hope you don't think I wish I had her title. I wish I could see healings or prophesy like her. I hope the first thing that you think of is I wish I could know Jesus like her. I wish I could pray like her. Because that's what I want to be known for, my love for Jesus. Guys, if I could carry the dew of heaven on my life and live my life prepared for the bridegroom, if I could have intimacy with him and hear his voice, I'm good. I don't, I don't care about being known on earth. I don't care about being on the stage. I don't. I just want to be known in heaven. And I just want to know him. Buying oil is the number one need for this hour. I'm going to have the worship team come. And I'm going to have you stand. There comes a time in our lives where hunger just overtakes us. And sometimes that happens in a moment. Where Holy Spirit just comes on you in such power that you're like, I just, I 
I can't not respond right now. Like, I, I literally don't have a choice. Like, I just, I am so moved by the Spirit of God. And it literally overtakes us. Have you ever been so hungry, you just, like, don't care what it looks like? Like, I'm so hungry right now, I'm just going to eat this burrito however it looks like. I don't care. Imagine your spiritual hunger that way. I just don't care what it looks like. I don't care what I have to do to get in his presence. I'm going to do it. Sometimes it looks that way and sometimes it feels that way and sometimes we have to push ourselves to hunger. Because in the spirit, when you eat, you get more hungry. In the natural, when you eat, you get full. In the spirit, the more you eat, the more hungry you get. It's taste and see the Lord is good. So we're going to go in, into worship, and I'm actually, I'm not going to formally close the service today, okay? So before we go into worship right now, I'm going to tell you that if you have to go, you're free to go. And I love you. And I love you exactly how you are. <laughs> and I'm proud of each of you for being here today. And for what you give on the daily. And for how you're resilient and you're trying to do your best for Jesus. And I'm so proud of you. I couldn't be more proud. Okay? So when you have to go, it's okay. I'm going to open it up. If you're like, I just want to take some time. Just buy some extra flask carry around with me and you are welcome to come as we go into worship and hunger and thirst after him I'm going to do it if you want to join me you can